you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. We've spent the last 18 weeks in uh, Exodus in a series called A Story of Freedom. Uh, And this morning we have the privilege of having our lead pastor, Dave Myers, uh, bring us the final sermon in this series. Uh, But before he does, uh, we're going to take a moment to turn around, uh, greet those around you, maybe ask what the highlight of their week has been, uh, and then shortly we'll be back with a video Bible reading on the screen. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution, gold, silver and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twisted linen, goat's hair, tanned ramskins and goatskins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and stones for setting, for the ephod and for the breastpiece. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle, its tent and its covering, its hooks and its frames, its bars, its pillars and its bases, the ark with its poles, the mercy seat and the veil of the screen, the table with its poles and all its utensils, and the bread of the presence. The lampstand, also for the light, with its utensils and its lamps, and the oil for the light, and the altar of incense with its poles, and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, and the screen for the door at the door of the tabernacle the altar of burnt offering with its grating of bronze, its poles and all its utensils, the basin and its stand, the hangings of the court, its pillars and its bases, and the screen for the gate of the court, the pegs of the tabernacle and the pegs of the court and their cords, the finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons for their service as priests. Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting, and for all its service, and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women. All who were of a willing heart brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets, all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linen or goat's hair or tanned ramskins or goatskins brought them. 
Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution. And everyone who possessed acacia wood of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands, and they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twisted linen. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill spun the goat's hair. And the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastpiece, and spices and oil for the light, and for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a freewill offering to the Lord. Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, well, let me add to the welcomes that you've already received this morning. Uh, it is so good to gather together as the people of God. Uh, my name is Dave. It's my honor to serve as one of the pastors in this church. Uh, and welcome to you, particularly if this is your first time with us. Uh, we are really glad that you are here. Uh, I did notice in the car park on a few moments ago, uh, Jess and Billy, along with baby Harper, are in the building. Let's welcome them to church. <laughs> Lovely to see you guys. Um, thanking God for his work in your life. I'll keep going. Sounds good. Hey, uh, one thing uh, just to uh, bring to your attention before we dig into our final Exodus sermon. Uh, hopefully you've received an email this week or you've seen uh, videos and announcements online. Uh, but a decision has been made to actually press pause on our left and right teaching series uh, coming up in a couple of weeks time. Uh, this is the second time we've pressed pause on it. Uh, our hope was to do this series last year at this time, uh, all about Jesus in a political age, uh, but felt that last year was the wrong time to do that, so we didn't make any announcements. It felt like this year was the right time to do that. Uh, but since Victoria has gone into lockdown 6.0 uh, and kind of just a, a recognition of some of the tension uh, in our country and world at the moment, uh, and the fact that the majority of uh, members of the ch churches within our movement wouldn't actually even be in a building uh, when we're dealing with a series uh, as sensitive and personal uh, as some really important political issues, uh, the decision has been made uh, to postpone that series. And so uh, at one level, I know that here in Brisbane uh, at the moment, things are going okay. We don't know what the next week or two or month or two uh, holds for us when it comes to lockdowns and so on. Uh, but I think for the sake of the whole, uh, I think it is a good thing that we pivot in this moment uh, and uh, stay tuned for more announcements on the series that will start in two weeks' time. Uh, it will be from Luke's Gospel, uh, and I think it'll be an excellent series to bring people along who don't yet know Jesus uh, to come to know him. Hey, what a privilege it is uh, that God is a God who speaks. Why don't we pray to him now and ask that he would work powerfully through his word. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that we can gather together uh, on this day. And Father, we want to thank you that you are a God who speaks. And we ask that right now you would give us faith to receive your word, uh, the word we've heard read out, uh, the word we're going to continue to dwell upon, and that by the power and the illumination of your Holy Spirit, uh, you would enable us to understand what it means 
and that you would give us the will to put it into practice. And Father, we pray this through Jesus Christ, our risen, ruling and returning King and all of God's people said... Amen. Amen. Uh, well, as it's already been said, this is week 19 of an epic journey through the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus, the story of freedom. Uh, and this week we land in the last six chapters. And I'm going to read all six of those chapters. No, I'm not going to read all six of those chapters, but we have a magnificent conclusion to the 40 chapters of the book of Exodus. Now, a few weeks ago, uh, you may remember, we spent a couple of weeks on chapters 25 to 30. And in chapters 25 to 30, Moses received instructions from the Lord regarding how to set up the tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle was a big deal because the tabernacle was the means by which God could dwell in the midst of his people. And so we saw the instructions for the tabernacle and the detailed instructions. And we also saw the instructions for the preparation of those who would serve in the tabernacle, the priests. And so this week, so that was chapters 25 to 30, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, This week is 35 to 40. And even if you've got your Bibles, get them out, get them open. Even as you scan your eyes, you'll actually notice a lot of repetition, a lot of repetition from what was instructed in 25 to 30 to what is now instituted in 35 to 40. Now, I want you to notice some of the patterns. There's many patterns, and we will not reread all of the verses. We actually slowed down and focused in on different parts of these with the instructions, but kind of a headline that is worth seeing and hearing. Have a look at chapter 39. Uh, Open up Exodus chapter 39, and I want you to notice the pattern at the end of every paragraph in chapter 39. Uh, It says, chapter 39, verse 1, they made the holy garments for Aaron as the Lord had commanded Moses. Uh, Verse 5, and the skillfully woven band on it was of one piece with it and made like it of gold, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 7, regarding the ephod, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 21, uh, again, the breast piece that's part of the ephod, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 26, uh, it's about the robe, it's about the bell, the pomegranate, and so on. Uh, uh, They did it, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Moses. Verse 29, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 31, as the Lord had commanded Moses. And jump down to the conclusion there at the bottom, verse 42, according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so the people of Israel had done all the work. And Moses saw all the work and behold, they had done it. As the Lord had commanded, so had they done it. Then Moses Bless them. Now, we won't go into chapter 40 right now, but you can actually see that pattern continues in chapter 40. And this is a remarkable high point in the history of Israel. Moses and the people have totally obeyed the Lord's very detailed instructions. Now, in the not too distant memory, there have been some disappointing moments in this story, have there not? Uh, Israel, after being rescued miraculously, are in the wilderness grumbling 
Grumbling and complaining, Lord, we just want to go back. We want to go back to slavery in Egypt. Uh, And then two weeks ago, we we saw Israel's rebellion against God. While Moses is up the mountain meeting with the Lord, they gather together all the gold, melt it down, build a calf, and worship this calf as if this calf that they've built with their own hands has rescued them from slavery. There's been disappointing moments in their story, even recently, but this is a strong finish to the book. There's lots to be optimistic about as the book ends. And so today, I think we have an opportunity to consider Israel's response to all that the Lord has done in their midst, but also an opportunity for us to consider how we too will respond. I want you to stop and consider for a moment the difference between someone who is a consumer and someone who is a contributor. Consumer and a contributor. Now, think about this when it comes to uh, not just some type of service out in the community, but as we approach church and the people of God, a consumer asks the question, what can I get out of it? The church is effectively a product I have expectations, the church must meet my expectations, and I will consume the product while ever it's meeting my needs. On the other hand is the contributor approach to the church. It's less about what can I get out of it, but more how can I be part of building it? You see, the church is not just a product or an event but a people to belong to, a family where each member contributes to the work of the family. You've got, the, I guess, the two different approaches we can have when we think about being the people of God and as we think about our experience of church and our expectations in church, consumer and contributor. Uh, Former U.S. President Theodore Roosevelt gave a famous speech that is a well-known one uh, in Paris in 1910. Uh, Here's an extract from this speech. He said this, quote, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Exodus concludes with an invitation to get in the arena, to be part of the people of God, to give ourselves to God's work with everything that we've got. There's three invitations I want to 
show you from Exodus, firstly considering what this means for Israel, but making sure we spend time hearing and heeding and taking hold of these invitations for ourselves as well. Three invitations for how to get in the arena. Three invitations for how to get involved in God's work. Invitation number one, for those taking notes, is uh, to have your hearts stirred. Number one, hearts stirred. There's an image of those, as we conclude this book, who have had their hearts stirred by all that the Lord has done and all that the Lord is doing. You know, notice this emphasis, there's this repeated emphasis on people's desire within their hearts to contribute to the work of God. Uh, Go back with me to chapter 35. Chapter 35, we'll read a few verses. Chapter 35, uh, verse 21. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its service and for the holy garments. Do you see that? Those whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him. Have a look at verse 22. So they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart. Uh, You've got this picture of those who have hearts moved, spirits, uh, hearts stirred, spirits moved, a willing heart. Look at verse 26, a few verses down. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skills spun the goat's hair. Look at verse 29. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a freewill offering to the Lord. That's quite compelling, isn't it? It's not just we will twist your arm and get you on board with the program. It's those whose hearts are moved, stirred within them. Their spirit is moved. I want to be in on this. I know the Lord. I know what he's doing. I know how he has invited me to be part of his people, to be part of his work in the world. Now, what could it have been that stirred the hearts of these Israelites? At one level, the answer is the series that has gone for the last 18 weeks. The the 35 chapters that we've already covered in this series. And by way of summary, and maybe you've only just joined us today and this is your first time with us, uh, I'm going to give you a couple of minutes overview of the whole thing. But, but I want you to think, particularly those who have been here and have been part of this series, that as, as the Israelites take a step back and as we take a step back and see where this story has gone and where this story is going, how we can understand why people would have their hearts stirred, their spirits moved so that they too would be willing to be part of God's work. Remember, the book began, God's people were populous. In fulfillment of the promises God made to Abraham back in Genesis. And yet, while they were populous, they were in a foreign land, the land of Egypt. The Hebrew people were enslaved in the land of Egypt. And the book begins with God's people crying out to God Lord, would you have mercy? Would you help us in our time of need? And those opening chapters showed us how God hears. His people. He sees his people and he chooses to act. 
to save his people. We see in the story of Moses in those opening chapters of Exodus and the way that God miraculously brought Moses into the world and saved him from being killed as a child, raised up to be the saviour, raised up to be the leader, the rescuer that God would use humanly to bring about his will. Remember that incredible moment where Moses meets God for the first time where God reveals to him his intimate name, I am who I am, Yahweh. He, 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 the true and living God, the, the holy God, the creator God, comes down and reveals himself in an intimate way to this people. And the story continues that we see that struggle between Pharaoh and Moses, well, ultimately Pharaoh and God. And we see ultimately that God is clearly the one who will win that struggle and that battle. We see plague after plague, nine of them, against the Egyptians, against Pharaoh and their wicked hard-heartedness. Judgment upon the land, judgment upon the people, judgment upon the leaders. And then we see that remarkable 10th plague, where God comes in just judgment against the wickedness of the Egyptians and yet spares the lives of the firstborns in the nation of Israel. Remember that in the Passover, that remember, the, remember, remember the lengths that the people would go to to find a lamb without blemish, to slaughter the lamb without blemish. And before feasting upon that lamb, to mark out the door frames of their home with blood, that as the Lord would come that night, he would pass over them, seeing that blood has been shed on their behalf. They are able to be spared from judgment because of the mercy of God through blood that has been sacrificed. But more than that, God miraculously takes them out. The exodus happens. The exit from Egypt takes place. The mighty and outstretched arm. Remember, Israel are left in a situation where they have an army of the Egyptians in front of them. They have the sea behind them. And yet even that sea and that army are no match for God who parts the Red Sea. And the people cross the sea because of the mighty and outstretched arm of the Lord. So many moments, so many evidences of God's work in the midst of this community. Likewise, so many hints and so many moments where Israel keeps stuffing it up. Remember, there was nothing particularly special about this people. It was God in his grace and his mercy that chose to work through this small group of people. It was God who continued to remember his promises, even as the people of Israel grumbled and said, hey, we want to go back to Egypt. It was God who doesn't bring wrath and anger and righteous judgment upon his people who've bowed down to the golden calf just a couple of weeks ago. They forget the God who has saved them, and yet God doesn't forget them. These glorious latter chapters show us this wonderful vision of the tabernacle that God is yet still willing to live and dwell in the midst of his people. You can understand that those who understand their history, by the time we get to these moments, 
You can understand how their hearts have been stirred. Where's your heart at? As you consider these events from millennia ago, have you been stirred by this Lord, by this God? Have you been stirred by the way in which these events, these moments from ancient history point forward to the Lord Jesus Christ? If you've been here for this series, there is not a week that you would not have heard the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are so many parallels. There are so many arrows that are pointing us forward to him. It is good news in the book of Exodus that God would save sinners like Israel. It is good news this side of Jesus that because of Jesus, God continues to save sinners. That's who we are left to ourselves. We are sinners. We are those who've sinned against God in thought, in word, and in deed. We've failed to love and worship God as God. We've failed to love our neighbor as ourselves. We are deserving of God's judgment, and yet we see the greater exodus. We see the greater redemption that has been won for us through Jesus. Isn't that good news? The good news is that God saves sinners through the perfect life of Jesus, the sacrificial death of Jesus, the triumphant resurrection of Jesus. In him and through him, we have a greater redemption, a greater exodus, a greater blood that has been poured out for us. Is your heart stirred to hear that story again? Is your heart stirred as we reach week 19 of talking about an Old Testament story from the book of Exodus and once again speaking about Jesus? Is your heart stirred by that? Are your affections moved by that? Is your spirit stirred up within as you hear that gospel message on repeat? Look, perhaps... You're here today, and again, whether this is the first time or whether you've been around for a little while, and you've never actually professed to be a Christian before. Is your heart stirred yet? As you hear of the incredible mercy and grace that God is offering to you, the love shown to you through the Lord Jesus Christ. Is your heart stirred by his perfect life? his sacrificial death, his triumphant resurrection. Like, I'd love to invite you to respond to Jesus, to respond to this message, to actually say, yes, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you lived for me. Thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you rose again. Thank you for your love shown to me. Look, if... If you've never put your trust in Jesus before, we'd love to talk with you. We'd love to help you even today to take the first step of taking hold of what Christ has done for you through his life, through his death, through his resurrection. Please come and speak to me. Fill out one of our digital connect cards. Speak to the team at the info desk. Uh, we'd love to talk with you today or arrange a time to catch up over coffee. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to answer any questions that perhaps you still have.
but for everyone. Where are our hearts at? Because the invitation in Exodus is that our hearts would be stirred as we see the work of God. But as our hearts are stirred, it naturally leads on to the second invitation, and that is, number two, gifts given. Gifts given. Uh, What does that mean? Well, in response to your heart being stirred, the natural response is to do something. Now, it's not to do something so that you can be saved. We've seen in Exodus, we see in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that the only way to be saved is by grace and grace alone. It's by trusting in what Christ has done. Our response is not our means of salvation. Our response is the fruit of our salvation, is showing that we've understood the salvation that Jesus has won for us. And so we give our gifts in response to what God has done for us. Let's look at Exodus again. Uh, Have a look at Exodus 35. We'll pick it up from verse 30. It says this, Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, uh, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood for work in every skilled craft. And he has inspired him to teach both him and Ahilab, the son of Ahashimak of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen or by a weaver, by any sort of workman or skilled designer. Verse, uh, chapter 36, verse 1, Bezalel and Ohialab and every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. You see, there's this picture of these men who have been gifted by God with skills. But it's not just the two that are mentioned. There's all sorts of skills that are required. Ultimately, those skills are a gift from God in the first place. And so employing them in the building of the tabernacle and the sanctuary and all the details that we read as we continue is ultimately giving back to God what is already God's. And, and you see this overflowing of not just the giving of skills, but the giving of free will gifts. Have a look at verse 2. It continues and says, And Moses called Bezalel and Ahilab, and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him, there that is again, to come up to do the work. And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing, and said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for the doing of the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command and word was proclaimed throughout the camp, let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and 
more. Isn't this a wonderful picture of generosity? There's this free will giving of gifts, giving of resources, day after day, morning after morning, until they had more than enough. Stop! We've got more than we need. The generosity is remarkable. Robert Murray McShane uh, once made this comment about a lack of generosity in the people that he was ministering to. He said this, quote, I am concerned for the poor, but more for you, Christian. I know not what Christ will say to you in the great day. I fear there are many hearing me who may well know that they are not Christians because they do not love to give. To give largely and liberally, not grudging at all, requires a new heart. An old heart would rather part with its lifeblood than its money. Oh, my friends, enjoy your money, make the most of it, give none away, enjoy it quickly, for I can tell you, you will be beggars throughout eternity. A a challenging word. You know, we read in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, that we are to give not reluctantly, but cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. Perhaps our lack of generosity, our lack of loving to give, might reveal more about our heart than perhaps we'd be caring to admit. Uh, Tony Marita in his commentary said, generous giving comes from a heart that has been changed. And so there's, there's three gifts that we've more or less already seen that are given throughout these chapters. Treasure, talents, and time. We've seen the treasure, and we could keep seeing more of the treasure. Everything keeps coming. All the goods, all the things that are required for the building of the sanctuary, those gifts, those treasures, those resources are brought on repeat. All the things required from chapters 25 to 30, we see deployed in chapters 35 to 40. Treasure is freely given. Morning after morning, Moses says, stop, you're too generous. The gifts given, number one, treasure. Number two, talents. The people of God not only bring material things, but the skills that they've got. And as we've already seen in the reading, skills that they've got that have already been given to them by God. The gifts that they bring, the skills that God has wired into them, that God has given them through learning over many years, the handiwork, the engineering, the the carving, whatever it might well be, are gifts that God has given that they now give back. They use the talents that God has empowered them with for the sake of what God is doing in their midst. Look at uh, chapter 35, verse 25, it says he, um, 
I'm looking at the wrong chapter. That didn't look like the right one. There we go. Uh, Verse 25. And every skillful woman spun with her hands, and they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skills spun the goat's hair. I love it. You actually see it a few times throughout the text. This is not just the man's work. This is men and women who are part of the people of God, partnering together with their treasure, with their talents, and employing them in the service of the Lord, doing what the Lord has instructed his people to do. Treasure, talents, and time. All of these things require time. You know, time is a very precious gift to give. Now, God is the maker of time. God teaches us to number our days, to kind of use our time for his glory. But time is almost a recognition of, look, I don't have much in my pockets. I don't know if I've got many skills, but use me. I'm here. I can hold something. I can hold the lollipop sign while the road's being built. It just takes time. I'm here. Employ me. Teach me. My time is your time. I want to urge you and encourage you today, as we take a step back, not just from this construction that is taking place in the time of the Exodus, but as we stand this side of the New Testament, have our hearts been moved by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Then what would it look like for you personally to freely give gifts? Your treasure, your talents, your time. Not because the preacher says you better do it or else, but because your heart and your spirit have been stirred and moved. That we would start to see that belonging to the people of God is more than consuming, but being one who contributes joyfully cheerfully and sacrificially to what God is doing. We are getting close to five years since we publicly launched as City on a Hill, Brisbane. Uh, It's well over five years since we first started gathering in uh, my lounge room. And as I look back over those five and a half or so years, I am so thankful to God for the many examples of not one or two people carrying the load for everyone else, but an army of people whose hearts have been moved, who are giving gifts, joyfully giving of their treasure, joyfully serving with their talents, joyfully giving up their time for the sake of what God is doing among us. So many examples. So many things to celebrate. I'm thankful to God for you and for your work and your role and your part in this story, whether that's from five and a half years ago or whether you've joined five weeks ago. Thank you for those that are freely, willingly giving of their treasure, talents and time. Uh, What a wonderful example we've even caught a glimpse of today of some people who are using their treasure, talents, and time. There's, there's many people I could point out that make every single Sunday service take place, but uh, 
Man, what a joy to be able to sing a brand new song, Great Redeemer, this morning. Who enjoyed that? Can't, okay, three people. Who enjoyed that? Okay, well, we're going to sing it again in a little while, shortly. And so uh, you can enjoy it even more the second time around. But I, I, love, I love where this song has come from. I love that Great Redeemer is a song that has come out of the people who are part of this church in response to the teaching of God's word from Exodus, the themes that we read in Exodus and we read elsewhere in Scripture, put to song. Uh, and so I want to I thank and even honour those that have given their treasure, their talents and their time to make this project uh, happen. Uh, shout out to Adam Taylor. I'm not even going to try to look around because there's quite a few people. Most of them are in the room. Uh, he's really been a driving force behind this project and organising the recording and kind of rallying the troops. Uh, Vian, uh, who recorded and, and mixed and kind of used his house. Adam was telling me this morning that uh, Vian flipped his second room totally, put mattresses against the wall and kind of created this recording booth uh, in his home. Uh, Adam, along with uh, Jesse Govender, uh, wrote the music. Ben Hooper wrote the lyrics. Uh, ben Baker was on the drums. Uh, Tim McEwen on the keys. Jesse on the electric, Adam on the bass, Ben on the vocals, Emily on the backing vocals, uh, and our team leader in music, uh, Amelia McMurray, uh, just doing an amazing job on the sideline, continuing to encourage, continue to be part of some of the refining process. It's been a joy. I've kind of been on the sidelines even further away, uh, and it's been a joy to see the way that there's this thing has been created, something that is being part of God's work in our midst, men and women, bringing their treasure, bringing their talents, bringing lots of their time to be part of a project like that. Why don't we, uh, why don't we thank them one more time? There's a whole bunch of things that have happened in the last five and a half years, and I trust there'll be many more things to come in years to come. Ministries, ideas, talents, treasure, time that we haven't even thought of ways that we could employ them in the service of our King who died for us and was raised again. I want to invite everyone, whether you've recently joined or recently even become a Christian, to freely give of your talent, of your treasure, and of your time. The third and final uh, invitation, uh, and most briefly, number three, is glory proclaimed. Glory proclaimed. Turn with me to the final paragraph of Exodus. Exodus chapter 40 from verse 34. In this final paragraph, we catch a glimpse of a theme that we've seen multiple times throughout Exodus. But let me, let me briefly read this final paragraph. It says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out to the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Ultimately, God's purposes in this world is that the whole world would be covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. You know, when it comes to our hearts being stirred, our gifts being given, the ultimate and primary task that concerns our hearts and our gifts is that the glory of the Lord would be made known. 
The primary task of all believers throughout all time is to lift up the Lord, to make him known, that people would see that he is glorious. We'll conclude in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and 4 with a few brief verses before we pray. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I'll pick it up at verse 12. It says, Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who, who, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted. Because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Spirit, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Brothers, sisters, in Christ Jesus, we behold the glory of the Lord. And we see following in the next paragraph that the response of those who have seen and beheld the glory of the Lord in Christ Jesus is to be part of making that glory known to the ends of the earth. Chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And... Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When we know Jesus and the glory that is found in him, we are called to be a, a, a people who proclaim his glory. We know Jesus and we, we, we make Jesus known. We give of our talents. We give of our time. We give of our treasure that that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. You know, as I invite the band out the front, I want to encourage you to respond right now, and even respond right now in a, a, a tangible way. If your heart has been stirred, that you know there's ways in which you are holding back your treasure, you're holding back your talents, you're holding back your time, in a moment, I want you to stand and I want to pray for you, if you're willing. Again, this isn't a moment where everyone has to, has to stand up. But if you're particularly stirred within your spirit, even now, as you've, as you've been listening for these past 40 minutes, as you've been reflecting on these last 40 chapters over the last 19 weeks, perhaps your heart is stirred and you, you actually recognize, I want to be more generous with my treasure, with my talents, with my time. I'm going to invite you to stand up and I'll do that right now. If that's you and you'd like me to pray for you, uh, can you stand? And, and I want to pray for you and then I'll invite everyone else to stand and we'll all pray together.
Amazing. Let me pray for my brothers and sisters standing right now. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, thank you for your work in in many people's lives and in particular right now, those who are standing up. Uh, Thank you for the way that you've stirred them for ways that perhaps they need to repent of things that they're holding back or or they've just got a a conviction to, to go over and above in the use of their treasure, the use of their talents, the use of their time. Father, keep stirring within them, not a guilt, not a reluctance, but a joy, a cheerful heart in doing all for the glory of the Lord to be made known. Thank you that they have beheld your glory in Christ Jesus. Would you continue to transform transform them from one degree of glory to another? And everyone else, let's stand together. Father, we all pray that as we all reflect back on all that we have heard, that you would continue your work powerfully by your Holy Spirit. We're so thankful for this story of freedom in the book of Exodus. And we're so thankful for the the arrow after arrow that point forward to the story of freedom that is ours in Jesus. Thank you for our exodus and redemption in him. Thank you for his life. Thank you for his death. Thank you for his resurrection. Father, as a church, we commit ourselves again to knowing him to making him and the glory of your name known in Brisbane and to the ends of the earth. And it's in his name that we all pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.